Welcome everybody to the Exact Show. I'm here with Raymond, Eric, Dan, and Brian. We got a packed house today because we love our next guest. We find her hilarious, and we are honored to have her. Comedian from Toronto, Courtney Gilmore. How are you doing, Courtney? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. I, I, I just have to say the reason the reason I, I found your stuff is because uh, I don't know if you were, you know Roan from Barstool actually retweeted some of your clips probably a week ago, oh. and he said Courtney Gilmore, this is the funniest comedian I've seen all year. So I checked it out, and I was like, wow, this is hilarious. It was your three minute skit, and I, I looked into your stuff, and I was like, let me try to get her on. You were nice enough to come on, so I really appreciate it. Oh, that's so nice. I had no idea about that tweet or anything like that so that's really cool to know thank you <laughs> i shouldn't have said that because now you're just gonna leave this one and go to barstool interview like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm your, your head's just gonna get big this has been fun guys i'll catch you later have a good show <laughs> uh, so courtney before we get into some of your comedy uh what we like to do is get a background of some of our guests so like if you want to go into like how you got into comedy your upbringing um you know your condition or whatnot uh it's the floor is yours go on Sure. Um, yeah, I've been doing comedy for almost 10 years now uh, in Canada, and I kind of just stumbled into it accidentally. I mean, if you, you said you've seen some of my clips, so you know, for anyone who's like, this is a video too, right? People yes. can watch it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, so then you're gonna, I'm going to do a little a couple of hand signals. I, I don't have hands, and it's like kind of hard to know by audio, but uh, <laughs> I obviously have stuff to joke about. That's pretty obvious, but like that doesn't necessarily make you a comedian, but, you know, I, I just loved comedy growing up, and my parents have amazing senses of humor. Um, you know, the way they raised me without hands, I was born like this, and so I was their first child first child with a disability and so their sentiment about raising me was pretty much like we don't know what the hell to do with you so you tell us what you need we'll try and give you what we need what you need we'll figure it out together you know um so yeah I've always had a good sense of humor and then once I got into college I just started checking out open mics and one thing led to another I I moved to Toronto and um this is a very comedy dense city it's very competitive here and uh I know you guys are based in New York or New Jersey New Jersey okay yeah. never mistake us with you. I'm so sorry I apologize <laughs> if you want to you know if you want to censor the word New York like, no, that's fine um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's a New York is also a very competitive city and Toronto is similar in big city vibes. So once I moved here, I was like, you know what, I want to do this full time. And yeah, everything else has just been snowballing since then. Now, how hard was it to get up there? The first time we, we always like I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, I know he'll get into Brian up here does comedy. And like, I, it's, it's horrifying. I tried it once. I tried it twice. I bombed the second time never got back. Up. I never got back up. So, oh, no. you know, so like, especially you with no hands, like, were you worried? Like you wouldn't be perceived as well? Or you just had confidence in it. Um, that's a good question because I don't really, I think it was like 50, 50. I was like, I'm confident enough in 
Um, I've always thought that like my jokes about not having hands um, are more original takes than the ones that I get coming at me from friends and strangers because my I think that my takes on my condition have to be more fresh and original because otherwise if I'm just saying the first hacky thing that comes to mind that's not very funny and so I think I was confident in that but yeah there's always worry that you're not going to be perceived well or that people are just going to think you're you're a hack or that like I was afraid that I was going to get lumped into like the TED talk category or like inspirational speaker territory which is not really my thing um not that there's anything wrong with it it's just I didn't want to be conflated with that kind of a career when I just really wanted to be funny so yeah I was nervous for sure I totally feel you on bombing and you know I've done that I've you know bombs are just the most hard social situation to recover from in every sense of it. So it's, it's definitely (laughs) demoralizing. So um, yeah, I guess I just had the, a little bit, a little bit of confidence to keep me going back or confidence slash stupidity. I don't know, whatever (laughs) kept me going. (laughs) You talk about like fresh takes and stuff, which uh, the one of the first ones I I saw were, and that's where I laughed, and I, I I knew I'd like your comedy. Where you said like people ask me, "Do you wish you had hands?" And you like, yeah. like I wish you didn't. Which yeah. is a very <laughs> bold take. Like that is a funny fucking take because you just wished, yeah. uh, let's say, hundreds of people that they didn't have hands, and they all, <laughs> they all laughed. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. The- it's a great take. I, I love the just. Uh, the it's, it's almost like an yeah, yeah an icebreaker. You just flipped the hands on them, so yep. it really was fresh. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think that joke in particular is interesting in how it lands like in perception, because I think when you think about like, you know, wishing, wishing an entire room of people not having hands, if that's the first thing I say on stage, and they don't know anything about me, they probably think that I just like curse them with death, you know, but like, to me, to me, me saying that you guys shouldn't have hands is actually like, no, you guys can come chill with me. Like, it's cool. It's fine. Like, whatever. I can feed myself. I can wipe my own ass. It's all good, you know? <laughs> and um, it's not as bad as people think it is. And so, yeah, I think, you know, the importance of icebreakers is, is really up there for me in terms of, like, addressing it right off the top, for sure. Right. Uh, one more question, then I'll pass it. Uh, just, I, I know you said you got into it 10 years ago. Were, mm-hmm. When you were, like, growing up in, like, high school and whatnot, did you learn to deflect the jokes and that's how your comedy built? Like, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to ask if you were picked on or not, but like, did you like, all right, I'm going to get jokes. So let me just deflect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had different phases of like social, like I didn't grow up with, like, I think it, bullying didn't start until a little bit later in life. Um, but like, like middle school or whatever. But um, yeah, people always wanted to get their jokes in. And I think I always had a bit of a competitive streak where I wanted to make the joke first before they did. And so yeah. I think that that was, I mean, my way of holding the power is um, I know you're not going to make the joke. You can make the joke, but I'm going to make the first joke. And then you, and then you know that you can joke with me, but I want to be able to, um, I don't know. I just wanted to be able to be original about it. And so I guess that was my first clues when I was younger is that I should be a comedian is because I was very competitive, even just with my friends, you know, um, in, in coming up with jokes, but yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely deflect if stuff, if negative stuff was coming my way, I think that I'm pretty good at parsing words and like, um, 
de-escalating hostile situations with humor. So yeah, there were definitely times where I had to do that. I know, I know. You guys got a question. I want to pass it to Brian really quick, just because yeah. he does How, comedy, so. Now, I've, I've been doing stand-up for like three years now, and I've gotten to the point where, I mean, before all the COVID stuff started happening, like I was doing features on shows, but not I'm nowhere near ready for like headlining. How long did it take you to go from open mics to features to being able to do like a full 45 to an hour? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it varies from scene to scene, depending on where you are doing comedy, but also just like the amount of stage time. Like, I don't know how much stage, stage time you personally are, you know, pre-pandemic were able to get on a weekly basis. But like here in Toronto, um, as I mentioned, it's so competitive. So it's like every night you're doing two to three shows, two to three open mics. You're just like hustling. And so I would say I would I spent like my first three to four years um, or maybe I, I did maybe like two to three years of just like open mic slash pro-am better quality shows and then around the four or five year mark um, I got signed to uh, Canada has like a, a roster or a franchise of comedy clubs called Yuck Yucks mm -hmm. and um, Yuck Yucks has like a roster of comics that they sign and then they represent you and then they send you around to different you know other comedy clubs around the country um, so that's when I first started doing features so I think maybe four or five years in um, maybe slightly before that and then headlining a little bit longer I mean up to 45 minutes maybe just a few years ago I was getting more um, comfortable with doing regular 45 minute to an hour headlining sets yeah how, how nervous were you like the first headlining show you had because I remember <coughs> the first time that I was asked to do like 15 minutes even 20 I was like I, I was genuinely terrified before it. I'm like, this is a long time to be up there. Totally. Yeah. Well, how did it go? Did you have a good, like, was that first time? Like, it's so, like, nerve-wracking, but did it, did it go well? Well, it was, this is the thing. It was funny. The first, the first paid spot I ever got on a feature show mm -hmm. uh, was based off of a showcase I did at a place. And I went to the venue where we were going to have the show. And I had said to the booker, I was like, hey, you know, you saw the 10 minutes I did. You want me to, because I was just opening up. So he's like, yeah, just go up there, do eight, 10 minutes. I was like, do you want me to do the same 10 that I did prior, you know, the one you saw? And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go up there and do it. Um, I went up. I, I had an opening joke about uh, like a pedophile pretty much. And it went over at the other places I did it at really, really well. I had a good punchline and everything. It just did not go well at this place. And this is, like I said, this is the first paid spot I had. So we got to tell her it was a pedophile convention. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. where, where, where was wrong the, location. Yeah, wrong location. Yeah. No, but I go up there and in the first minute I say this joke and everybody fucking hated me. Absolutely hated me. So I had to finish the nine minutes out. Just nobody laughing at anything at all. So like, but I mean, I learned from that and was like, okay, you got to read the room a little bit better. You can't say a, a joke about a pedophile to a bunch of 50 year olds. It's not going to work. But yeah. I'm, I'm asking you, because I know that that jump for me was very nerve wracking. So was going from featuring to being a headliner, like kind of a, uh, a big step, you know? Absolutely. 
Yeah, it definitely was. It feels big. And um, yeah, I mean, 15 to 20 minutes is still a good chunk of time, depending on the show. And like, especially if you're performing to a bunch of older people, like 15 minutes can feel like 45 minutes so easily, depending on the crowd. And if it's not going well, or you have to recalibrate. So yeah, I totally get that. But yeah, I think the first headlining set was pretty nerve wracking. Um, also, um, my first like official club setting headlining set at Yak Yaks um, was a really packed Saturday night crowd. And like it's, it's known for being really hot on a Saturday night, like it's packed and, and the crowds are pretty rowdy and drunk. Um, I don't know about you, but like I love rowdy crowds, like the drunker, the better for me. I just have so much fun with them. And um, but I was I was for sure nervous. But someone on staff came over to me literally 30 seconds before my set when I was already on pins and needles so nervous and he leaned over to me and he whispered he was like you know if you don't do well on a packed Saturday night in here you might as well quit comedy and I was like <laughs> shit <laughs> so that was really intense uh last words ringing in my ear to go up to um but uh you know what, though? I was glad that he said it because it gave me that last minute, like, incentive to, like, up my ante. And I was like, okay, I have to bring it. And then it went great. It went really, really good. Um, you know, of course, not every set since then has been amazing. But, like, I was really happy to make that transition, um, feel nervous about it, but know that it, it still went well. So I was lucky on that front. What was, like, the joke that you would say or, like, the punch that, that like, Gave you that confidence to be like, oh, I could do this. Um, so the joke that I do, I, so recently I've been kind of trying to shy, not shy away from, but like do more non-hands material now that I'm comfortable with like being comfortable with audiences. I can feel a little bit more confident going into like a local show and doing mm -hmm. 10 minutes of like non-hand material and it's okay. But um I did have to be really sharp with my first jokes about not having hands. And I think my favorite one, um, and one that's really special to me because it got the approval of a, a Canadian comedian named Mike McDonald, who has since passed away uh, in recent years. And um, the joke is that um, I, was born, I was born without hands, but I, I, get, I get tired of people asking me what happened. So just to mix it up a little bit, I like to tell yeah. them that I was an abortion survivor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite joke. Um, I think it's just so silly and dark, and um, I just love telling it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned you have to do the non-hand ones, like which yeah. I, I love. Well, me and my wife watched your stuff like uh, a few days ago. One of my favorite jokes you have, because I can relate, is the banana okay. one. Because I have okay. brown bananas upstairs right now. Yes, and absolutely. <laughs> if, if anyone hasn't heard it, she has a joke that like, when you get bananas, suddenly everyone turns into like, what is it, a pastry chef, a baker? Because we yeah. have to get rid of these. And it's like, she says somewhere, you say something, you didn't care about me when I was yellow, but all mm -hmm. of a sudden, people go in it and say, all right, yeah. I have to make a banana bread. I have to make a banana muffin. Right now, <laughs> I have brown bananas upstairs, and that is going to happen. So I love comedy that relates to me personally. No, I like my my favorite one you did was when the cab driver, before you got in, like gasped and oh, yeah. asked if you were all right. Like, like it was still fresh. Yeah. <laughs> that one had me rolling. 
because yeah. you can picture it. What's good about your comedy is like when you tell jokes and stuff, you can picture, mm-hmm. you can picture it. So you paint a picture in people's yeah. minds when you're telling the stories. That's what I've always felt defies a good comic is the storytelling of it. Yeah. It's not just coming out and telling jokes, but in order to tell the story and bring that audience in where they can't wait to get to the, that punchline at the end. If it wasn't for comedy, what else do you see yourself doing as a profession? Like, is there anything else that you enjoy to do, but you choose comedy? Do you have a side hustle? Oh man, this is such a depressing question in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> but, um, um, well, I did start. I, I I went to university for uh, for English uh, literature and communication studies, and I do have a degree in that. Uh, you know, in case things go to shit from there. But um, I I did some writing. I was working for like advertising agencies for a while, just like doing you know product copywriting. So I guess like like I would be a writer. I think I'm still. You know, as a comedian, we like to also dabble in all kinds of other comedy adjacent things. Like I would love to, you know, I'm currently doing some uh, TV writing uh, in Canada, but um, I would like to extend my writing to other things. So I can see myself, you know, if stand up is a little bit in a dry spell, I can always go back to writing. So I think that would be something. Courtney, we know a few rappers who could use ghostwriters. You want to try to write some rap? Oh, my God. I would love it. I would love that. <laughs> so, so, Courtney, you were talking about like how you like enjoy being around like the drunk crowd. Like, is there a difference? Because you've been in the states, you've been in Canada. Like, what's like your favorite like location, state, or place to go and like do your performances? Um, great question. Um. I really like, I mean, Toronto is also, uh, it's a place I know, and it's, you know, I feel like I was, like, raised here comedically, but um, I really like Chicago. I like doing the Laugh Factory in Chicago. That's a really fun one. Um, I've done a couple of really late-night spots there, and they were rowdy then. I mean, um, yeah, so Chicago, um, I had a really great time. I had a surprisingly great time in Asheville, North Carolina last summer. Um, That's a weird one. What location? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um like the you mean the venue yeah um it was a big theater and there um I the don't orange know. peel sorry was it the orange peel <laughs> um, it's like it's like a really like yeah like it's like a, the only like, theater there places yeah awesome. it, mu- it must have yeah. been that it was a big theater there was a literal car on stage for i don't know why yeah, it was exactly. not not explained at any point uh why so, car on stage um but it was really fun and i was scared to do um i've done you know shows in the states but not in the south and i was like i don't know if southerners are gonna like me um but it was fun it was a really great time I yeah. have to ask, Courtney, just really quick to base this on. Dan, how do you know about the orange peel? Because Sarah's sisters live down there, so I yeah. went down there a bunch of times. It's right. awesome. Good beer, good food and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Courtney, uh, People just park on the stage, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really great parking. <laughs> Courtney, uh... Self-deprecating humor, like for me personally, I always think of people like Jim Norton and stuff who, who, yeah. um, who, yes. who are the comics. I'm just going to throw some names out there. I love George Carlin. I think he's mm-hmm. the best, best comedian of all time. Uh, yep. We're also big fans of Jeremy Hotz up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I love Jeremy Hotz. That guy is one of the best that nobody knows about. Yes. So like, who are some of your influences? I'm sure I'm probably hijacking someone's question. I'm sorry about that, but like, <laughs> influences you had, which is probably a question you get a lot. 
Sorry, Eric. Yeah, no, and I'm happy that you actually listed off some names to just kind of remind me, refresh my brain, because I love Jim Norton. I'm a huge Jim Norton fan. Um, I always go see him when he's in town, and I think he's so funny. He's like a master of self-deprecating humor. Yeah, Um, But, you know, he does it in a way that I don't think that – like, I used to do way more self-deprecating humor, and I don't think it really translates for me the same way because Jim Norton has, like, a really great image as, like, a degenerate person. And, like, he's <laughs> proud of that, and it's great, and it works for him. But, like, I think that if I go too dark with self-deprecation, people feel bad for me, and I don't want that vibe to happen. Mm-hmm. So I try to steer away from that a little bit. But um, but at the same time, you know, make fun of myself a bit. Um, I really like uh, John Mulaney. I think he's really smart. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know Rory Scovel. He's one of my favorite comedians. Uh, he's also Canadian. Um, I like Dave Chappelle, of course. Yeah. Um, I love Chelsea Peretti, Tignataro, and um, Tom yeah. Green. Tom Green, yes, I've I've had the pleasure of opening for Tom Green several yeah. times, and he's incredible. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Such wow. A guy yeah. I can't the original remember. Tom Green show. Yeah. Still yes. one of my favorite. Have you ever yeah. met Jim Norton? Have you ever like? Um, no, I haven't, I haven't met Jim Norton. No, I've, I've seen him live, but I've never actually gotten to meet him. Oh, I think he he's, a, he's very down to earth. We've met him a couple. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. He's, he's a local kid. Yeah. He's from New yeah. Jersey, actually. He's actually oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have, um, comedians on this show? Like often? Uh, yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We consider ourselves comedians. So yeah. yeah, well, so, you guys are hilarious. So. We actually expanded pretty well. Uh, we started as rap, and then we just, like, get people we enjoy now. Eric, I, I might have cut you off with a question. I'm sorry. Oh, that's good. Um, but how is – because how is the pandemic up in Toronto right now? Are, are there shows? Are you performing right now? Like, how is it going right now? Um, it's a bit touch and go right now. Like we are kind of uh, breaking records with COVID numbers right now in a bad way. It's not going well, but we keep reopening things and then shutting them down again and reopening. So it's been like that since March just hit or miss. So we're currently, um, I've been doing some shows, a lot of outdoor shows, um, and then a few like Zoom shows. And uh, I have a couple more live ones uh, that are booked for the rest of the year. And then I don't really, I guess come January, we'll just see how it goes. I'm not really sure where we're headed in terms of like stage openings in the new yeah. year. But I'm just trying to do a lot of corporate gigs right now, like holiday office parties on Zoom. I'm all about that shit right now. I got to take what I can get. <laughs> you don't even have, yeah, like you don't even have to wear pants either. You can yeah. just sit really close. Exactly. I'm not wearing now, pants right now. You know, you guys would never know. <laughs> me, me. I never wear pants. I assume you guys are not wearing pants, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm convinced the judges in Chopped don't wear pants. They just sit yeah. behind that table. Now, have you ever had uh, Pizza Nova up there? The yeah, pizza? we have Pizza Nova, yeah. Yeah, I love that pizza. <laughs> okay. Especially with the, the, the spicy super sad, well done, is my favorite pizza. I love it. No, it's only it's it's only up it's only up in Canada, and I look forward to it every time I go up there. It's oh, so you, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't had it in years, but I remember it being a good a good choice. Yeah. Good. Eat it. And now this, <laughs> I ask this question because this is perfect timing that we have someone not from America here. 
Okay. Being a Canadian, oh how do you feel about the two geriatric men fighting over the popularity contest in this country? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's entertaining to watch and also horrific. Um, it's, it's crazy. I've, uh, you know, like, I know I'm not American, but, like, we still are pretty influenced by you guys. And, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're, the outcome of your country does affect us. Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of, like, I feel bad that things have happened the way they have. But, like, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, something good can come from it going forward. But uh, what a shit show, though, for sure. Like, Oh, yeah. I keep checking um, the tweets to see what kind of rampage has happened in the past 24 hours. I don't even have Twitter anymore, but I'm going on to Twitter just to read Trump tweets. And, uh, <laughs> I will say, Courtney, that was the best response you could have had without leaving. <laughs> yeah? Very yeah it, was, it was just perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. Very, very do they, do they <laughs> cover it on CP24 up there? Yeah, exactly. CP24. <laughs> I mean, I, this is my answer is self-serving because I want to be able to work over there again. So I'm just yeah. like hoping that I can open the border. Courtney, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say just uh, as someone who lives on there, they'll agree. It's not as crazy as social media makes it seem. Yeah. No. No? Okay. That's good to know. It's, that's it's good really to know. They, they make it seem much worse than it is. And it's yeah. not like it's not. They broadcast the stories they want to show everyone else, yeah. but we know that when we live here, like we we don't see the things that happen like right, that right, on right. a day to day basis. Do you guys feel like you're like I feel when I watch election like politics in your country are very dramatic and like a yeah. movie. I feel like I'm watching a movie, it's and we ours are ours are quite boring. Like I think the most interesting thing that has happened over here is that we have a super sexy prime minister, um, Trudeau. Justin, yeah. Um, but like otherwise, like yeah, he's a good looking dude. He's a good-looking dude, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I feel like you guys probably are just bored by us because we we never have anything theatrical going on. We're the land. We we're care. the land of entertainment. We need. Yeah. We can't have just like a day where the president gets up and does his job and then goes to sleep and there's no headlines. He's got to tweet something ridiculous. It's got to be. Yeah. He said this, and this one got scandaled with that, and that one got caught over here with this one. We love to shit on each other. We love it so much. Courtney, in this country, we love the up. We love the rise of the underdog, but we also love the downfall of them as well. It's yeah. weird. It's very, and then we yeah. love the rise back up. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it all happens. It all happens within like twenty four hours. Yeah. It's, it's the worst. The rising, it's, you can't keep track of it. It's, it's the worst. But I want to ask you back in the college because we don't want to title this Courtney Gilmore on American. <laughs> oh, oh, She's America. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i want to ask you like the perfect type of joke and i, I look at this with cartoon writing because like i'm a huge simpson fan as like a bunch okay. of us are and like to me it's always like how they write that perfect line to make it like the make it a better joke so when you said i'm having a good no arms year i'm saving a lot on scissors scissors yeah. is the perfect noun for that joke it just right. works right yeah. so like if you would have said i'm saving on i don't know like like yeah, uh, but like scissors is so unique, <laughs> so rare that it makes it hilarious. So like, how many, what goes into that for you, and how many different things did you like think of saying, you know, before yeah. scissors worked? Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, wordplay is really important to me, and I think to most comedians, it's like playing with words. And you guys know, you know, if you write jokes, that like it's really important to have even just the sound of the word is important. If it has like I don't know, just a certain kind of sonic uh, 
output it's like it, it sounds funnier you know mm -hmm. and um yeah you're right like it needs to be the perfect noun so i think i just kind of like i come up with um a number of ideas and then i just write them all out and i usually go with my fifth or sixth idea this is actually um a tip that I learned from uh, Aziz Ansari, not personally, but like years ago, I, I saw him say that when you're thinking of jokes, um, especially on like hot topics, always go with your fifth or sixth idea because that's going to be the one that's the freshest take for you and you can rule out all the things that everyone else has already thought of, right? So, yeah, so I'm wow, not going to... Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to say, um, you know, it's been a good no arms year. I'm really saving on gloves because everyone probably thinks of gloves when they look at me not having hands. It's like probably the first thing, you know, gloves, knitting, like really obvious stuff. And so I want to go with the less obvious thing. So that's kind of like my rule is I, I try to go with like the fifth or sixth idea and play with words a little bit. So you play it, you play it like a game of categories. Yes. In a weird way. Like yeah. so when you're like categories. The first thing is going to be what everyone else thinks, but that fifth or sixth is more new, unique to you. Yes. So no one else. What a great comparison by me, by the way. Like, I just got like, that is <laughs> phenomenal comparison. You don't stop and realize oh, I'll just on back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's real cool. I, I never even thought of Brian, you taking notes? <laughs> Categories. <laughs> Categories, yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just just a really good way of weeding out all the first things that you know the most common denominating you know, factor is going to be. Jeez, that's, yeah, that's mm. great. Uh, Dan, go on. So, so, like, with, like, writing all, like, your jokes and stuff like that, like, how, like, what, like, gives you, like, the inspiration for them? Is it just, like, something that, like, like a Seinfeld, like just see something, say something, or is it like more like storytelling, like Ray was saying? Because like you are an awesome storyteller. Is that like more of like your type of comedy? Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think you spend a couple of years, or at least I spent a couple of years trying to figure out what my jokes were, what the style and voice should be. Like that's kind of a hard thing to figure out. Um, and um, yeah, I had to just play around with it. I do try, I think I, you're right. I think I do tend to gravitate towards more anecdotal storytelling things. Um, I guess I get my inspiration just from observing, um, I don't know, things around me. Uh, I like getting mad. I like getting, re I'm not a very angry person in real life. Like I don't get mad very easily, except I get mad over real petty shit, like things that don't matter <laughs> at all. And I just think that's it's the funniest thing to be so angry about, like, just really dumb things like ice cream flavors, like disagreeing about food. <laughs> oh, I'd love a good food <laughs> argument, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, I guess I just draw from from stuff like that. But when I first started out, like I was trying, I was trying all kinds of styles on me that weren't fitting. Like I was trying to go like the Anthony Jeselnik route with like mm. the one-liners and stuff. Um, just because I like Anthony Jeselnik, but you know, it took me a while to realize that's not my style just because I like him. Um, so yeah, I had to play around a bit, but I think storytelling and just kind of like casual conversational style is more my speed. So, yeah. I'll say too, being a female comedian, it's tough to break a barrier because I think you guys get an unfair rap. Like there's a lot that like, oh, females aren't funny. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think a lot of, look at me. I'm so woke now. I disagree you with that. so much funnier. No, seriously. No, like it, it really is like you have to step in. I feel like you're. I feel like it a lot of female comedians have to overstep another boundary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, and you don't really um, adhere to what the stereotypical woman might talk about. It, it's a lot different, which I really enjoy. 
Yeah, thank you. I think yeah, that you're right that, um, I mean, I'm personally influenced by people like Sarah Silverman, who um, I think I, I try to, um, you know, my style is not really like hers, other than I think we are two people who um, enjoy presenting as like, I, I think I present aesthetically as very feminine and very sweet. Like, I know I'm very soft-spoken. My voice sounds feminine. I present very girly. But then I can say some really... I can That gives me a hall pass to say really fucked up shit, you know? Um, because people don't expect it, and I kind of like that. Um, so I, I definitely have a bunch of, you know, female influences who have used that to their advantage, where they're like, you know what, I don't look like the kind of person who would say that they're an abortion survivor, but I think it's funny, so I'm going to, you know, stuff like that. So Good for you. Like, that's saying funny to me. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And that's the problem with comedians nowadays. You take you take a guy like if somebody came out nowadays like George Carlin or Richard Pryor, they would skyrocket because everybody's so afraid to go that route now that if somebody did come out, ha yeah, half the people are going to be offended. Which fuck them. That's comedy. If you're not offending people, you're not performing comedy. That's the whole basis of it. But it's just it's sad the way the stand-up era is gone now to this you got to watch what you say now like have you ever went out on stage and we're going to say something or wrote a joke going like starting to second think it because of just the way society's become now mm -hmm. yeah i mean we're definitely in interesting times where i know i know what you mean like it's kind of a hard sometimes to um figure out what the what the tone is of mm -hmm. of comedy and um i mean I, I, I like smart humor, and if it's written well, it's funny to me. Um, I think that you should be able to talk about all sorts of topics. Um, I think it's like, you know, you have all these hot topics that are circulating, you know, people trying to dismantle, you know, racism, ableism, sexism. And so anytime society as a whole tries to be progressive, it, in good ways, it kind of affects um, you know the overarching narrative of comedy and sometimes it can go too much to the extreme where people feel you know like they're being silenced from saying anything mm. at all you know i can't honestly tell you that i haven't had um i mean and i don't consider myself a super offensive comedian but i've had people pull me aside after my own shows and tell me that i shouldn't joke about my own disability right. yeah like know? that's who are they who are they it's like you don't yeah. know me yeah like, or like making like certain jokes, like even the abortion joke, like I'm, I, you know, like to me that joke is not even political whatsoever. To me, it's just like yeah. this hilarious split second visual of a fetus fighting back. Fighting the two, yeah. That's, that's so, that's that so belittling. That's so <laughs> belittling to be like, yeah. you, 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 you shouldn't say that because of your condition. Like someone telling yeah. you. That's so, ugh. But bro, that's the world now, Courtney. That's, yeah, go on. That's the world, like. Like, we have, we know, I know people who, like, right, we know black people who, like, white people say, you should be offended by this, and black people like, like, who are we as white people to tell this, like, minority they should be offended by this? No, but you know what it is? 
it's not it's not necessarily people telling you what you should do it's because they're uncomfortable with it and it's mm. something inside of them that they're not even able to hear somebody else make a joke about it or say something about it they need they need to project upon others no this is wrong this is wrong you can't say things like that and it's like yes you can there's no you're uncomfortable with it doesn't mean i can't speak about it yeah i mean i think there's got to be a level of moderation on either side like i think that there are i i enjoy a lot of comedians who say things that maybe some people would find offensive but i personally think that it's important to talk about i mean i think anything barring hate speech you know i think yeah. that there's yeah. more oh, yeah. here I do know what I do know for sure what you're what you're saying though and and for me like yeah definitely um to come up to me and say that my jokes about myself are offensive um yeah I mean I I find it belittling for sure um I will hear them out if it seems like they're coming from a thoughtful place not to the point where I'm going to change my act necessarily but I mean um you know I try to take into consideration the fact that when I was coming up in comedy I didn't have another person like myself to role model anything for me and i think that you know if there are people who are amputees or people with disabilities mm -hmm. who are looking to get into comedy they want to feel um mm -hmm. getting on stage knowing that people aren't going to be you know um you know hurling hate speech at them so which i understand is not what you guys are referring to anyway well, yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I kind of have to ignore comments that are, you know, personal to me because I know myself and I know what's not offensive to me and I know that I've lived my life and you haven't. So why am I right. consoling you? Like, oh, I'm so sorry I offended you with my joke about my life. Like, if you would love to escort me into a cab next time and see how the cab driver reacts to me, you're more than welcome to, to do that and maybe pay for the trip. Uh, if you're so offended by my joke, but, um, you know, like it's, it doesn't happen quite that often, but when it does, I guess I just kind of have to shrug it off. I, I, I feel bad, Courtney. We got a little serious on the topic. No, it's totally cool. cool. I, feel, I, I feel bad, Courtney. So let, let's, not so bad. So like, no, no. So like, I was wondering, like, you brought up how you like, you opened up for like Tom Green, like yeah. what other like comedians or was there ever like a comedian that you met that you were like starstruck by? Yeah. Um, or who's your dream to open up for? Oh my god! Um, question there. That's tough. I know it's so it's so loaded. I mean, there are just so there are just so many, and um, it'd be and great. Also, it'd be great if this podcast like showed it went from thirty minutes to two hours, and you were still thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I, I feel so like disconnected from the comedy world recently too that like. It's so hard for me to even like come up with. I love Wanda Sykes. I think Wanda Sykes is so funny. That's the um, name. Yeah, I and heard um, a lot. Uh, I like Jerry Seinfeld as well. Um, uh, who have I met that I was starstruck by? I mean, every time I go to, like, I've been, you know, lucky enough to go to uh, the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, and that's just like all of your idols walking yeah. around, like being at the same party all the time. Um, so that's always, that's always really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, I would love to open, I would love to meet Anthony Jeselnik, I think. Um, I really want to see what, I don't know if you guys have met him, but I would really be interested in his personality offstage. That's very interesting to me to see. Yeah, we, I, I've never met him. Sorry. We don't have that kind of. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, good 
do you get a lot of um maybe not mail nowadays but like tweets or something like that from people who are disabled and whatnot and tell you that you're an inspiration and yeah a lot Totally. Yeah. I get a lot of DMs for sure, especially on Instagram of like, yeah, all kinds of people. I mean, people with disabilities. That's always really nice. That's heartwarming for me to hear from other people who are starting, you know, stand up because they saw me. That really makes me feel uh, really happy and grateful because, again, like I said, I didn't really have that, you know, coming up. Um, and then, yeah, and then also you get the occasional guy who uh, has like a, a an amputee fetish, so then that's the fun too. So <laughs> no judgment. So, but though you know, you get a little bit of mix of uh, people in your DMs. But yeah, it's it's nice to hear feedback. <laughs> let us go on the record. Let us go on the record and say that wasn't us. No, it was not anyone from this show. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> So Courtney, you were saying how you like you were like feel like disconnected from like the comedy scene. Is that because it's like so cutthroat that like comedians aren't like connecting with each other or like what um, specifically like is causing that? Yeah, no, I think I mostly mean just because of COVID, like the okay. pandemic. Like I just feel I don't feel like I've been living my regular life the past mm. seven, eight months. Like I feel like I've just been in this transitional in between phase that I don't know when it will end. And so my comedy life feels completely different in this current state of affairs than it did before where I'm out every night doing shows traveling um and so because of that I don't get to see a lot of my friends you know most of my friends are comedians and um it's just not the same and then also like I'm not I mean I'm watching tv shows and stuff but I'm not like going out and watching a whole lot of other stand-up too so I do feel really, really disconnected from just comedians in general, I guess, during this time. I, I, I have my question. Okay. 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 The worst group to, to be a comedy a comedian in front of. Bachelor parties. Bachelorette parties. Always a negative, Scott. Always, Always a negative. <laughs> like, there's no one you just okay. can't stand. It's like, shut the fuck up. Is there any? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so the the double-edged sword of enjoying performing for drunken people is also when you're whoever said bachelor parties, absolutely spot on. Yeah, like people who are there and drunk for a very specific reason and the reason is not you performing, that's always going to be a nightmare. Bachelorette parties are a little bit more annoying than bachelor parties just because, I don't know, the girl's wearing like a sash and a tiara and she just does not care about <laughs> what's going on on stage. Um, also, I don't love performing for like, um, super old. I don't think my target demographic is old people. Um, sometimes it is depending on if they see me on TV, like a really clean, polished eight minutes, they, you know, then they tend to think that I'm more, uh, clean all the time but um i don't know i don't think i mentioned this at the beginning but i i actually started comedy in the church circuit back no, in the you day did it. yes oh, i wow. did that's a tough one. i know and um yeah christian comedy is a real thing and uh <laughs> how did the uh, abortion joke go I, that, that was my post Christ days that I wrote that joke and um, so uh, so I think I get nervous up crowd so I get nervous when I I guess when I see people who kind of remind me of like those old church folks because I feel like maybe they're judging me and I'm like secretly care too much about their perceptions of me so 
<laughs> I can't believe you started on a church. No, you I didn't totally mention did. that. So how, did. Uh, how did that happen? I'm sorry. Were you like a church girl growing up? And girl. Yeah, I was. I was a church kid. And then... Um, and you just said, forget about the choir. I'm going <laughs> to perform this week. You know what this church needs is uh, <laughs> dim lighting, uh, alcohol, and just somebody just rattling off jokes uh, from behind the pulpit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I... I I just, I guess I didn't know how to get started in stand-up because I came from, like, a very religious background. And so the church circuit, like, it really is a thing. Like, um, it's not a well-known circuit, but, like, people, if you get, I don't know if you've known, like, um, like, Taylor Tomlinson, for example. I don't know if you don't know Taylor Tomlinson, but she just mm -hmm. came out with a Netflix yeah. special. She, she started in church yeah. as well. And um, it's, like... It's just like its own little insular bubbler, bubble of like conservative, uh, clean jokes. And so that's how I started. It was doing just all clean jokes. And I just would do church shows. And um, yeah, and, and it just kind of, once I moved to Toronto, I kind of got away from that. That's kind of like a great place to start because, I mean, you're always told, I remember being myself told that, try not to be too dirty watch your language don't say certain things so like or else you're not going to get jobs you're not going to get spots anywhere yeah. and I mean, it still holds true a little bit because you're obviously not going to book like some corporate things you're not going to book like middle-aged type thing. it's it's weird but but starting out like that that kind of gives you that advantage because you know how to work clean like Exactly. And that, it's tough to go backwards after you've learned how to do it kind of dirty yes. in a sense. Yes, that's very true. That is a really good point because I do feel like I had a bit of advantage to have like an arsenal ready of clean comedy. So whenever I did need it for corporates or like sometimes like every now and then I'll still do a church gig as long as it doesn't have to be like you know, like Christian content. Um, but yeah, and like, if you want to do a TV taping, you know, uh, just like an eight minute spot, it's got to be TV friendly. So I think you're right, because um, I actually ran, I produced a clean themed comedy show for three years in Toronto. And um, it was hilarious, because like comics who typically work dirty primarily or blue would want to come on the show because they were preparing for a showcase or for a corporate gig and they were scrambling because they just didn't have that material. And um, I'm, I'm all for dirty comedy. I'm not, it was never like about like moral superiority or anything like that. It's just that like, it really does um, come in handy to have like a, at least five to 10 minutes of clean comedy to just have in your back pocket. So yeah, that, that's something I got out of the church thing. You can make a living <laughs> off that too. Like a guy like Jim Gaffigan yeah. is pretty Very clean, clean. And, you know, yeah. and he's, he's hilarious, yeah. you know, so it's, it's all your personality. Cool. You know, it's authenticity. It's the same with music. Just yes. be genuine. Like if you yeah. want to go out there and make rock music, just make sure that's what you want to do. And it sounds like it's genuine, you know? So yeah. it's the same with comedy. if you go out there and try to be a dirty comic and that's just not your personality, yeah. you guys, I'm sure as a comedian, you could sniff through that bullshit. 100%. Within like a second, right? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Is it easier to be like a dirty comic, like doing like shows in the States rather than in like Canada? Because like Canadians like are more like proper, like more like mild mannered than like us, I feel like. Uh, I feel like it, you might be surprised, like kind of maybe yeah, by and large. 
Get a um, little cultured. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Make like, it cool I, in Canada. Get off the stage. <laughs> maybe it's just because, <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm from, like, uh, welcome back. Oh, my gosh. Hi, puppy. Oh, my gosh. Who is this little guy or girl? Cannoli. Cannoli. Oh, my gosh. I want to get Benny so bad now. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how Dan doesn't know how Canadians are assholes. Go on. No, yeah. I mean, don't don't give us too much credit. We are we can be assholes. Absolutely. But um, yeah. Um, yeah. We have a lot of dirty themed shows here, too. I think it depends on the city and the area. I live in Toronto and that's more big city vibe. So I think people are more receptive to dirty comedy. But yeah, there are definitely parts of Canada where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I've definitely done show shows in New York and Chicago that like they were all about the dirty comedy, too. So, yeah, depends on location, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, we have a final segment, Courtney. Uh, we get to if you guys have uh, any questions. Good. Good. All right. Uh, all right. So before we get to this segment, it's called Gun to Your Head. It's like a would you rather. Just plug your stuff. Where can we catch you at? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Courtney J. Gilmore. And my website is CourtneyGilmore.com. Nice. And also, uh, I can't I can't believe you didn't know uh, Roan from Barstool retweeted you. So that, that's awesome. I didn't uh, know that. Thank you for telling me. That's really cool. It's fine. We'll never hear from you again after this. But <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> All right, so we, we do a gun to your head segment. What we do here is we ask two questions each, okay? And they're not like your waffles or pancakes. Since we are kind of a hip-hop podcast to an extent, we have a little wordplay involved, which you'll appreciate as a comedian. So what we do is we ask two questions each. At the end, you have to pick a winner or your favorite question. And as men, we are very competitive about this. So there's a lot of pressure on you, okay? I have to pick a winner. Of you do. Okay. Of, of the question, your favorite question. Yes, so, do. I will give this to Dan first because he insulted Canadians. And I'm horrible at this. Okay. <laughs> Go on, Dan. He hates this. Would you rather live in a maple tree or live on a maple syrup sea? Maple tree. <laughs> okay. Um, would you rather always be wearing a Canadian tuxedo or be dating Danny DeVito? Dating Danny DeVito. Easy. <laughs> All right, Dan. You thought Brian, you're up. <laughs> he just rhymed Canadian tuxedo with Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, yeah. <laughs> I'm horrible at this. I hate this. We do it every week and I do horrible. I so bad. Okay. You don't know. Uh -huh. Could be the winner. Right <laughs> All right. All right. Um, what's better, Tim Hortons or Horton Hears a Who? <laughs> Horton Hears a Who. Canadian, please. Uh, would you rather be expelled from Hogwarts or clean warts off a hog? Expelled from Hogwarts. Okay. Right, I'll, I'll go next. Damn, you got my uh, maple leaf, the syrup shit. All right. Um, all right, Courtney. Would you rather have to do the hustle in every room you walk into or hustle everywhere you go? Hustle everywhere I go. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go with the Brian theme here. Would you rather own stock in Tim Horton's coffee or own stock in the book, Horton Here's a Who? Ooh. Tim Horton's coffee. You'd probably be a little more rich, right? Yeah, I would think so. Would you rather bomb every time you go on stage or be forced to dissemble a bomb? Oh, my God. They both, they both feel like the same thing sometimes. Um, Good one, I know. Forced to dis dis dissemble a bomb, I guess. Okay. Okay. 
Courtney, you got to pick a winner. You know what? I'm going to go for the Danny DeVito one. Yeah, I think wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm secretly, I secretly have a crush on Danny DeVito. I like really? Him. It's a good, I think, I love him. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Courtney, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate so the comedy. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we really did. If you're, yeah. ever, if you're ever here on the East Coast, let us know. We'll come see you. Absolutely. This was so much fun, guys. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here.